What is up, fantasy people? Welcome back to the True North Fantasy Pod. We are presented by Monkey Knife Fight, and of course, we are a part of the magnificent Fantasy Points Media Group. I am Trav. As always, co-hosting and West Coasting is my man Tyrell McLaughlin. Ty, how you doing, buddy? As always, living the dream, living the dream, and 75% of us Fantasy Points Media Group members tonight. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's good. I'm excited to have uh, have one of our cohorts in the group back on. Um, I will actually just dive right into our guest there, Ty. I'm going to introduce the fellow True Norther first, of course. That would be Brian Bailey. You can find him on Twitter at the FF Aviator. He is a writer and uh, he is the resident True North stud muffin, as voted on by the rest of the True North That's crew true. On, that, uh, on the Discord chat that we were on just last week. Um, I was a little cheesed about that, Bri, I'll be honest, because I threw the question out jokingly in the chat, hoping that everybody would know that the right answer was me, and they did not, <laughs> and they voted you. Um, so uh, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's a, it's a pleasure to be chatting again. Thanks, man. I missed that Discord thing. Uh, otherwise, I would have been rubbing it in your guys' face all week. <laughs> <laughs> in all fairness, Bri, I don't even think I was one of the top three. So oh, yeah. um, definitely going to have to have some difficult conversations with the team soon, but uh, I digress. It probably just has to be a height thing. Um, yeah, well, I even <laughs> shaved the beard for this show just to try and redeem myself. And uh, I, don't, I don't even know, man. Um, <laughs> and uh, our next guest tonight, of course, Ty mentioned a, uh, a fellow member of the Fantasy Points Media Group. He is um, he is the heart of the P2W Fantasy brand, um, killer podcast. They got a website up there as well, and part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. And that would be Nick Scrip. You can find him at P2W Fantasy. And Nick, congratulations on that uh, Euro win for for the Italians, buddy. I know you were stoked about that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's giving me uh, 06 World Cup vibes. It, it was a big. Uh, it was very significant for my family, and I've been a soccer fan my whole life. Uh, played soccer. I'm still coaching soccer, but yeah. that had a lot of meaning to my family, so I was stoked about that. But thank you guys so much for having me back on. Um, like you said, it's great to be part of something big with Fantasy Points Media Group with you guys because I respect the hell out of what you guys do all the time. So much to the degree that I, I throw money down on on T-shirts. You know, I'm yeah, baby. Looking sharp with that rocking true, the true north. Hopefully I'm rocking it okay. But yeah, thanks for having me, yeah. guys. Uh, just just got done with uh, my own show. Happy to be on yours. And I've been excited about this all day. Yeah, man. That, that show that you're talking about is Script to Ships. That is with Steffi Smalls. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that's at, I believe that's at 4 o'clock my time, which is Western. And you are Central, so that'd be 5 o'clock. Right, Nick? We, we range, so we usually go six or seven around that time. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's our Thursday show. Tuesdays, I, I usually rotate some people if I'm doing my own unless I'm guesting. But, I yeah, I just try to put out a bunch of random content throughout the week and, and get after it just like you guys. So Yeah, man, you're a busy dude, man. Twitter, uh, you got that site going. You got two shows a week. You're posting a bunch of really cool stat graphics and stuff from, from the Twitter account and whatnot. So it's good work. And, uh, yeah, like, like you said, the, the Fantasy Points Media Group is awesome. And uh, with, with that, I just want to let any listeners know that if they want to uh, go and sign up at FantasyPoints.com, we have a promo code 21TrueNorth10, and you can get yourself 10% off of one of the best deals on the market as far as fantasy content subscriptions. Um, they they just put out good stuff. they got elite analysts. They've got top-notch content covering all bases, all formats, everything you could want. Um, I was digging in a bunch of their stuff 
for my notes for this episode uh, in particular and all other episodes really. So um, thank you to them for having us as a part of the group and go over to fantasypoints.com. 21 true north 10 is that promo code to get 10% off and get a winning edge on, uh, on this fantasy season. Um, so with all that yapping from me, Ty, I'm going to pass it over to you. Um, as is customary, you always give us the episode rundown and then I figure you're going to want to pitter patter and get at her. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm super pumped to have Nick. Actually, what's your uh, promo code for fantasy points? Just in right. case people are here listening because of you. Hey, if people are here listening because of me, I still want them to use your guys and it's on the oh, screen. Really? So I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to plug mine. You, we're on your show. This is your promo code, but again, happy to be part of the same uh, big brand with you guys. No, but I, I really do encourage everybody to check out the P2W podcast. It is second to none. Uh, so is the gear. Uh, you guys have some swag gear of your own as well. Uh, and you're, you're a great Twitter follow, top-notch football, baseball, and basketball guy. So kudos on that and everything. Thank you. Uh, you know, made some good calls last time we had you on, which is the most important thing. If you ask me and Bry Guy, always a pleasure. Uh, we've been on the mic quite a bit lately, actually. Uh, we did yeah. a win totals uh-huh. episode, I think, like a month ago. And we did an FFPC draft Uh you know, a week or so ago that can be found on YouTube. Um, not in the podcast feed. That is a web exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, only, only on YouTube, but uh, <laughs> just because we screen share and it's just not as enjoyable on the, uh, on the podcast waves. But yeah, yeah. tonight we're going to accomplish a lot on this episode because we're doing risers and fallers. So we're going to dish, you know, dozens of player values. We're going to decide whether, or not we agree with these ADPs and you know we're going to look at what we have to pass on to draft some of these guys we'll you know analyze the trajectories are these guys going to continue to ascend up boards or are they going to settle pretty close to where they're going in fantasy drafts right now so we're looking pretty much at the last 60 day range too because theoretically players shouldn't have moved all that much that's a you know a couple of weeks removed from the NFL draft and everything um, and not to toot our own horn, but, you know, a lot of these guys that are going to come up, we uh, we were saying they would be rising up draft boards, Trav. So it's uh, one of those things that we're going to digest now that we have observed that and see if uh, the increase in value or cost is justified and determine, you know, what the verdict is from this point on with some of these uh, these risers and fallers from from fantasy drafts, because, Everything, you know, everything we do in fantasy is always in relation to players' values and where they're going in these fantasy drafts. So I've broken up uh, most of this by positions. We'll do some running backs, wide receivers, and a few tight ends. But all of these players are going to be top five risers or fallers among all players at all positions inside the top three, top five, or top ten rounds in FFPC drafts. So let's get rolling here. I am actually going to kick it off here, Trav, with, yeah, so I'm going to start with running back risers. I get to play running back good cop, and then you can come in and play bad (laughs) cop on these backs. Uh, So first up is the first back off the board in the 2021 NFL entry draft, Pittsburgh Steelers' Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going as the running back 11. Don't look now. He's 17th overall off the board in July drafts. He's going ahead of Joe Mixon in a little battle for the highest drafted NFC Northerner. Uh, Rookie Najee Harris is also being drafted ahead of some of our favorite sophomore backs like Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Zelaire. DeAndre Swift, but you also have him going behind guys like Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, 
Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, Zeke, Jonathan Taylor. So we're getting pretty high up there, Brian. Do you think Najee Harris can creep up any more, or is he going to settle in that mid to second round back end RB1 status? And are you fine uh, with him I'm I'm totally fine with him there. Actually, I I personally have him as my RB9 going into this year. And you know, I do love him. Part of that might be a little bit of my bias. Uh, you know, being a pit fan, but I just, I love his opportunity going into this uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They love to feature one running back typically over the years, and he's going to get volume. I, I, I think he's going to get upwards of 300 touches going this year uh, between his work in the passing game. And he's a really good uh, uh, catcher of the football. You know, it's not, uh, often that we see that from like a big, bigger back, you know, but once you get the ball in his hands, he's really elusive. Um, he's it's, I think it's going to be really good for Pittsburgh as well. They're hopefully not going to be as one dimensional, uh, going into this year. You know, a lot of people are worried about him, uh, because of that offensive line in Pittsburgh, uh, but you know what? L- last year we had running backs that came from bad off- offensive lines. Like you had, um, uh, oh geez, uh, Austin Eckler had one of the worst o- offensive lines last year. You know, uh, Robinson out of Jacksonville. Look what he did be- behind one of the worst offensive lines. And if he's going to get the volume and the work in the passing game, <laughs> you okay? Man on, man on, Brian. No, I think, like, Sorry. just to get you back on you know, track in case you lost your train of thought there, like, Joe Mixon is somebody that I brought up who, you know, Najee's going ahead of, and it's he has a lot of the similar drawbacks with the offensive line and things like that, but do you see Najee get more pass-catching work than, than Joe Mixon or something? Or is it yeah, just straight I, up more touches? Better I, I, I think he's going to get more uh, uh, touches in the passing game, for sure, than Joe Mixon. Like, at the beginning of last year, we were seeing Mixon get a lot of touches. And it was only those last two games before he got injured that they actually started working him into the passing game a little bit more. I'd like Joe Mixon this year, but I, I like Najee a lot more. But, well, a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you love Mixon. <laughs> I do like Mixon too, yeah. <laughs> Nick, how how do you see that playing out? Because Najee's definitely risen up boards, but do you think he's going to settle around this range? Do you think he's going to creep any higher? And are are you happy with him? And any concerns about his efficiency and stuff? You know, I I think that the closer we get to the season, maybe the ADP changes slightly, but I think that he'll probably be around the same top twelve uh, ranked running back as far as um, where he's being ranked and and all of that. But I'm super excited about the guy. I'm with Brian. I'm I'm very high on him. We we've seen historically guys like uh, Todd Gurley, Z, Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley all be top nine backs, and we know what happened last season, so we don't have to dig too much into that. The big knock, uh, Brian touched on it um, as well, is the offensive line. But uh, looking at an article I found um, from PFF, they ranked the Giants' offensive line as the 21st. Uh, offensive line in the season following Saquon Barkley being the RB1. So (laughs) offensive lines have an impact. 
But if you judge your whole fantasy outlook on an offensive line and what everybody's saying and beating a dead horse on it, I, I think you'll uh, shy away from true value and what uh, a guy brings to a system. You're looking at a Pittsburgh Steelers team that wants to establish the run. They couldn't run the ball last year. They did nothing but throw. I don't think that they're going to bring Big Ben back with the same mentality to overuse that arm. They want to establish the run. I think they want to be an offense that does both things. And similar to what Brian said, uh, volume is king for running backs. We see so many committees and we see so many teams where you're not entirely sure how many touches a guy is going to get on a, a weekly basis. But Najee Harris, year one rookie season, is going to be on an offense that wants to run give him all the work because nobody else should really fight him for that. And also this offense is going to be in good field positions, which is going to increase red zone opportunities and, and opportunities for um, attention not to be on him in the passing game and the others in the system. So I'm, I'm really high on this guy as well. And I think that uh, year one, he's going to be one of those running backs that, like I said before, Gurley Z, Kareem Hunt, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, these guys that come in and in our top 12 right away. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm also very high on Najee, and I just am left to wonder what that means for the weapons in the passing game, just because the Steelers have been three straight seasons under 1,500 yards rushing as a team. They scored the fewest fantasy points at the running back position last year, so there's a lot of upswing coming in that department. I wonder how it affects the weapons in the passing game. With Matt Canada coming in, you know, the mandate is just clearly on improving that run game. Uh Bry Guy mentioned Austin Eckler, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, his offensive line was pretty shitty last year, but it has certainly uh, made some improvements over the offseason, some very big improvements. And almost at every turn, Austin Eckler has been a winner this offseason, and he is one of the biggest risers in the FFPC drafts over the last 60 days. He's going in the first round right now, Nick. Are you willing to take him? Because you said volume is king, and that might be the one hang up with Austin Eckler. So are you willing to take him over guys like, you know, Akers, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, uh, Antonio Gibson and Mixon, or does Austin Eckler still give you a little bit of pause for thought? I'm I'm in the middle of that list. So like guys you name, there's guys that I would take him ahead of. There, there's guys I would not. I, I've been a massive Austin Eckler truther for a while. And you look at some of the, the knocks for him. So one of the knocks was, you know, maybe he's not really that great of a rusher. But in reality, his yards per carry for his career is 4.7. Not not too bad. The knock is the offensive line. Well, they brought in Rashawn uh, Slater and, and added to that. The, the knock also was originally, hey, Justin Herbert's not a dump-off pass sort of guy. He's not Phillip Rivers. But you look at some of the weeks with Justin Herbert, he had 11, 16, 9 twice, and 7 targets <laughs> out of the backfield. So, I mean, Did you say 16? <laughs> he had 16 yeah. week 12, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Insane. And, and people thought, you know, hey, it's a different offense. Justin Herbert's not that guy. So a lot of the things that people are concerned about – I kind of brush aside. There's not a lot of competition there. I think the offense did not add more to their arsenal. So Austin Eckler is going to be a focal piece of this offense, and he's going to get plenty of touches. So as long as he stays healthy and as long as he finds the end zone, he needs to score more, then I, I'm I'm full, full in with him, especially in PPR leagues. Yeah, be, being squeamish on Eckler, it reminds me of like dissecting a zero running back team. Like 
you know, people will be like, you know, I, I want Eckler to have more carries per game. You know, I want that floor there. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like when someone looks at your running back zero RB team and they're like, I really like that roster. That's a really good roster. But, you know, you're a little weak at running back. It's like, yeah, no shit. It's a zero RB team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just think the point I want to make is that this and I've said this time and again, that he is one of those players who can score 300 PPR points without seeing 300 touches. And yeah, I just, I can't believe how much he's been a winner this offseason when we think about how much it could have been uh, lent, you know, it could have been a really big win for Justin Herbert if they hired someone like Brian Dable or something. And there's lots of available volume. And, and you know, Nick mentioned the lack of competition behind him. I wouldn't mind getting your take on this, Trap, because you've uh, digested a lot of the True North group chat where we've also had a lot of battles about who the backup running back is in that charger system. So I've always been a big Justin Jackson guy. We have Joshua Kelly fans, uh, but they also brought in big fat Roundtree, who is, you know, (laughs) between the backs banger and profiles much in the same way. So there's a lot of volume available. There's a ton of vacated goal line volume in this offense and probably a role to be had in both those facets. So who do you think captures that role? Do you think there's room for another running back to produce? And uh, yeah, who, who do you think that guy is? Well, I like I've historically been in that camp you were talking about, Ty, where I just really with Eckler, once his price started getting up into running back one prices, I was off that a little bit because I want that 200 carries, like the, the safety of that to go along with some of that pass catching at the top spot on my depth chart. Right. But I am coming around on Austin Eckler getting more carries and partially due to you, Ty, you have pounded the table for Eckler being one of those guys that can be relied on. Um, and just because of the tea leaves that they're laying out there in Los Angeles, because a, it's a new regime, right? So it's not going to be exactly like it has been where they're really trying to get one of these big guys, like, like rotund Roundtree into that lineup. Um, we don't really know that they're going to do that with this new regime. And for all we know, they could put Eckler in there and give him that. I mean, he's just sub 200 pounds, but if they have a creative enough scheme, they can, they can make that work um, with some off tackle stuff and and outside zone stuff that we see kind of sweeping the nation tie. So I am kind of on the, on the train that it's going to be like probably at least 70% Eckler's show, maybe a little goal goal line work here or there. Um, But you know, I, I don't think that necessarily hurts him that much when he's going to be getting 90 targets like Nick alluded to. So um, give me like 180 carries for him plus all those targets and he's paying that off. No problem. So I am uh, I am rising on Austin Eckler myself, Ty. I, I'm not, I don't have him ranked as a running back one just yet. Um, just because some of that, you know me, Ty, I play a little bit on the conservative side with the safety as far as volume. Um, so I have him at 15. Uh, behind some of those guys who I know are going to get 225 plus and uh, some re- some receiving work, obviously, but um, yeah, that's pretty low. I, yeah, that, I, uh, that's Travis hates Eckler territory. Almost. Yeah, I know. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Like I'm loving him more, right? And so progress, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm progressing. No, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of our conversation has come back to, you know, me being super high on him. But then I admit at some point that it's like he's getting drafted pretty close to his ceiling. I don't know how much higher he could possibly go. And now don't look now. He's a first round pick in in fantasy drafts, which is kind of amazing. But I do think he I think the passing game is what really like I, I concede that I think there is a little bit more defined roles than you laid out. Maybe like I think an early down guy is in the cards, whether that's Justin yeah. Jackson. And uh, I think there's also a short down role to be had, whether that's Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly, either or. 
Um, so I think there's a little bit more defined roles, but, you know, I just come back to Eckler being able to catch, you know, 80 passes this year in his sleep because, you know, I, I think of the available volume in the run game, which doesn't really matter because we know carries are going to move around and all that with Joshua Kelly, with Eckler missing time last year. But a lot of the available volume in the passing game is intriguing because it's entirely running back and tight end targets. And those already have a pretty strong relationship to one another. So, you know, just Jared Cook coming in, if the tight end market share in particular was to, you know, George Costanza in the pool for 2021, (laughs) I think that could lead to like a really elite season in the passing game. So why don't you break the tie here, uh, Bry Guy? Like, do you think we all agree that Eckler has a high ceiling? But do you think he's being drafted close to his ceiling or do you think that pass catching really gives him uh, a ceiling to still, you know, capture on top of his ADP? Uh, He could be uh, being drafted at his ceiling, but I think he's also being drafted pretty close to his floor just with the work in that passing game. He's going to be used in that passing game. And those we all know the stats. Passing uh, catches are worth more in fantasy than uh rushes you know and you look back in uh, 2019 when i know it was it was rivers dumping off to him but he only had uh was 132 rushes that year you know it all of his uh points came in the passing game and he was the number four running yeah. back that year you know if he's getting work in the passing game little bit of rushes, you throw big old round tree in there, Jackson or whoever you want to do, uh, spell him on some of the uh, short yardage work. I'm fine with that. I don't care. I still think he's going to be easy top 10. So I'm taking him all the time. People are scared of what's different and the unknown. And that kind of describes Austin Eckler's ascension, uh, you know, explosion out of nowhere. And I think it would really do well to describe Antonio Gibson, who is going uh, very high, the running back 12. So I guess right behind uh, some of the guys we're talking about here, I guess that would be right behind Najee Harris. Uh, And he's going ahead of guys like Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson. So people really like Antonio Gibson. And Trust me, I was as high as anybody in the industry during the draft process. I got the receipts, as the kids say. Uh, I did a, a quick hitter pod on him that's in the podcast feed somewhere. He was getting all these Ty Montgomery comps. And I remember saying that if if Ty Montgomery was David Webb, then Antonio Gibson was Jason Bourne because he's <laughs> just a freak. But even I didn't predict that he would be able to acclimate to an NFL offense so quickly and become this prototype running back that we were all hoping for. Right. So our, our concern was kind of, was he going to be able to do some of the normal running back things coming from Memphis after just playing one season before converting from, from tight end uh, or from wide receiver. Uh, like he even went to the combine as a wide receiver, which was a massive disservice because he was pretty much tested out the same as Jonathan Taylor. He just didn't get the the same hype. Uh, but then he comes in as a rookie and Antonio Gibson was a total prototype. Like he accomplished things that we totally had questioned him uh, being able to do in year one, like the short yardage situations, the goal line role. Uh, and I, you know, this guy had a nose for the end zone to say the least at Memphis, but that certainly panned out in year one. He had 10 touchdowns. That was just one of four rookie running backs to do that in the last half decade. And he was the running back five overall in fantasy weeks one to 12 last season basically before his injury so quarterback play is set to improve defense could be even better with someone like willie jackson coming in 
Nick, do you think Antonio Gibson is set to get unleashed in 2021? Because we have to justify him as like a high second round draft pick now. I I have a <clears throat> I have a tough time uh, with Antonio Gibson, and I think he did great things in limited touches. I mean, 47% of the touches in his 13 full games. And and we know that, you know, he lit it up. You, you mentioned the numbers across, I think one through 10 or 12 RB one, you know, 10, 11 and 12. We saw those glimpses of him being the best running back for a few weeks in a row. My, I just have so many questions for me to be as bullish as others, because I see so many takes on Twitter or on podcasts. Some people are saying that he's, the next CMC under Rivera and that he can finish is the number was, one or number Washington two. Washington said that. We didn't say that. Washington uh, said that. Oh, no, <laughs> there, there you go. Well, well I'm, I'm, I just have a lot of questions with, uh, with him, you know, is, is JD McKissick going to evaporate this year uh, or is he going to steal, you know, some, t- uh, some of the passing work. JD McKissick was one of the best pass catchers in football last season. Um, I think for him to take a massive jump Gibson, I think that needs to change a bit. And we did see glimpses of that. Um, we know that they added Curtis Samuel and Ryan Fitzpatrick's at quarterback. Diami Brown is on this offense now. So I wonder how these added pieces kind of shift around what Gibson's role is going to be. We know he's going to be the lead back. I just, I just have a lot of questions with this. So I, I think, I think, if he's around that 12 to 15 range for me, I'm comfortable there for people that are saying he's top five. I get uneasy with that just because of the questions I have. And it was interesting to see though, you know, I was on my podcast earlier talking about Kenny Gainwell and Kenny Gainwell's rushing yards and receptions compared to Gibson's and Gibson's final year at Memphis was wild. You know, he wasn't even involved as a running back and then he comes into the NFL and kills it. So he do, he does have a lot to, to grow and, and a lot to learn, but um, I, I'm just not as bullish, I guess, as some of the, the top truthers are. And I think that the biggest difference with me between Eckler and Gibson is like, yeah, you know, Gibson's very unproven, but Gibson is also huge. Like he's prototypical size, you know what I mean? So I really like Najee big. Yeah. But uh, to Nick's point, like I was just looking on PFF here, JD McKissick outsnapped Gibson on third downs, 197 to 22. Like mm-hmm. that is That's like, wild. we need JD McKissick not in on to third down. Yes. Like under 50% of the team's carries when healthy Gibson saw just 9% of the team's targets. That is really frustrating. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're asking for a RB one season, you definitely need some of these numbers to really improve what we're not asking. Uh, a guy we're not asking for RB one seasons from is Gus Edwards. Uh, Bry guy, you were somebody, uh, you, you've been pretty high on Gus Edwards. I just noticed you keep drafting him in your fantasy drafts that I'm in with you. And uh, it's probably because he's going as like what running back. He's going pretty late in drafts. I actually don't have it in front yeah. of me, but he is going he's, behind. He's going right around uh, running back 38 right now. Yeah, that is cheap. So are mm-hmm. you thinking that he has like an RB2 ceiling, a guy who's going as like a RB4 right now? Or do you think he has like big handcuff ceiling? Like wh- what do you see his range of outcomes playing out as? I, I I don't see him being an RB2 unless there was an injury to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, but Whoa. what? <laughs> I'm not. That. I'm. I'm saying unless <laughs> there was an injury. Sorry, carry on. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but e- even in last year, I mean, J.K. Dobbins edged him out in the touchdown department. Uh, but 
the rushing actual splits of the shares. I know JK was a little slow to the game being a rookie at the beginning, but over the season, uh, you know, it was, it was really close in the, the rushing attempts, you know, Gus Edwards had 162 attempts to JK Dobbins, 153, uh, you know, similar yardage. JK Dobbins was a little bit higher, you know, Gus Edwards still was getting five yards per carry. I know JK Dobbins was number one in that, uh, department, you know, with but Gus 5.8. Is over, yeah. Gus is over five yards per carry in yeah. three straight seasons. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's really efficient. He's got a good work ethic. The team loves him. They just signed him to a, a long-term extension. And I think if uh, if anything were to happen where he would have a bigger role, he'd be definitely in that RB2 uh, conversation. Uh, you're getting him at a running back 38 price tag. I, I heard Ian Harditz uh, talking on the PFF podcast that he had him lower down in his handcuff tiers or whatever, because he thinks that, uh, uh, what's it? Justice uh, Hill, baby. Justice Hill, Justice Hill is going to get in there. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Justice Hill might catch a couple passes, but Baltimore isn't throwing to the running back that often. I know they've said they want to get J.K., uh, used in the passing game a little bit more this year, but if if Jake if Gus was to take over that backfield, I don't think there's going to be much competition except for a few spells. And then I think he's the type of guy that's going to really push your uh, fantasy team over the edge. Yeah, and Gus has 139, 140, and 153 touches across his three seasons now. And obviously we've seen, you know, the Ravens have the two best rushing seasons as a team since the 70s, the best one ever in 2019. But Nick, who is the goal line back for the Baltimore Ravens? Is it one guy? I mean, you're going to see Lamar Jackson frustrate J.K. Dobbins managers at times, I'm sure. But Dobbins... Dobbins was very efficient in, in the red zone. He went uh, eight touchdowns for 28 attempts. So that's 28.56% uh, touchdown percentage in the red zone. So you look at Dobbins, eight for 28. Jonathan Taylor is an example. He went nine for 48. So he had 20 more attempts in the red zone than Dobbins and only one more touchdown. So the efficiency is there. And I think when you've kind of gained that trust in the red zone, I, I still think it's Dobbins, even though we've seen Gus Edwards get plenty of touches all over the field and he just got extended. So they want him to be part of this team. But um, when a guy is that good in the red zone, I, I think it's got to be him. It's got to be him. Um, Gus Edwards, 24 targets in 43 games. So that's a big, he's, he's la lacking that uh, category. Um, but like Brian said, this is one of the, the cases, me personally, me personally, where I'm, I'm drafting this handcuff. I'm not a big handcuff drafter, but we know the offense runs a ton I'm not comfortable flexing him on a given week, but again, in the state or the weird conundrum that uh, J.K. Dobbins is out of the picture, I won't even say hurt, he's out of the picture, he's going to get a ton of work. So um, I still think Dobbins is that goal line guy, but uh, Gus Edwards is a true handcuff that I think should be drafted. 
Ty, I just really quick, I want to just kind of add to, to Nick's point about JK in the red zone. If you look inside the five last year, JK scored on seven of eight attempts and Gus scored on three of nine, which was actually a really good season for Gus because the mm-hmm. previous season we've talked about how bad he was in the red zone. He was zero for six. I called for that six. for the record. Yeah, yes. I you said did, yeah. last off season, can we not call this guy the bus because he can't steal a guy's <laughs> name who was literally the best touchdown scorer at the goal line in NFL mm-hmm. history. And he is literally the worst ever. Yeah, Sorry, he man. was zero, zero for six inside the five last season, one for 20 inside, one touchdown on 20 carries inside the red zone overall last season for Gus. So Gus just doesn't necessarily have it. Um, and JK is so, so good in the red zone, especially at the goal line. I think it's got to be him. But there is lots of lots of work to be had, that's for sure. Yeah, I got you on mute, brother. Mm. I was going to ask Brian Sorry. if he had a hand on the umbrella because I heard the wind going. So I appreciate no, it. I, I had to, I had to put it down. That's why I uh, went off the screen there. I was l- just looking on PFF. Gus scored three times inside the five last year. Yeah, three for nine. Yeah. But the year before, oh. he was zero for six. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I misheard you. My bad. Yeah. So he, last season was an outlier for Gus inside the five. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, man. Uh, what do you think, Ty? Should I roll right off Gus the bus into the aforementioned J.K. Dobbins or what? Sure, yeah. All right, yeah. So one of my personal heartthrobs as well, I will be transparent with that. One of my favorite running backs coming into the season. I think he could potentially lead the league in rushing yards. Um, I think he's going to be that good this season. But if you do want J.K. Dobbins, obviously you know there's not going to be a ton of pass catching work. And you've got to let the AK spray in the third round for J.K. right now. So it is fairly pricey for a running back who you know isn't going to give you that pass catching upside. Um, Going as running back 17, uh, he is ahead of guys like Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. And then a little bit further back, you've got Josh Jacobs and Travis Etienne. And then he's right behind some, some guys like Aaron Jones, Ty's boy, Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and DeAndre Swift so uh, I think that's a little bit of a testament to how you can still get Aaron Jones at a value just I'll say that Um, but I think you know it's a pretty good spot for J.K. Dobbins so Nick I want to start with you at that third round price would you pay up for the Dob Goblin or is that a spot that's a little bit too steep for you? No, I'm I'm with you on the faith that he's going to be very fantasy relevant just because I think that we saw the yards per carry. He paced, paced the NFL in yards per carry, paced the NFL in yards after contact. I know that the, the sample size wasn't as great as some of the other running backs, but again, I think look at the state of the offense and what they want to do. They want to establish the run. I think that this offense is going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to have a lot of red zone opportunities. And let's say the, the passing work gets a slight bump we saw what this guy did with the volume uh, RB 10 weeks, 13 through 17. So he's a top 10 guy when he's getting some volume, give him more volume this coming season. Even if Gus Edwards snipes some, some carries, I think you should be optimistic about him. Um, I, I think that he's going to be highly involved in this offense. And I think coming out of college, you knew that this guy can, can do a lot of different things as far as catching the ball and running the ball and being efficient in certain areas of the field. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm being optimistic. I, I think that um, some of the guys that he is behind uh, or, or ahead of, I think the guys you listed, I think it's kind of appropriate, but I think that his mm-hmm. ceiling could be much higher. Like, like you said. Yeah, for sure. And I think the cool thing about J.K. Dobbins is like I think his rushing work is going to be so efficient that he could still potentially get into that top 12 if he had like 
40 targets maybe just because of the explosiveness that he's going to bring because even if he's not getting 75 targets obviously you give him like 35 catches a bunch of those are going to be big plays some of them might be touchdowns so i think just the efficiency that he's going to bring in that offense is where that avenue lies for me to see him hit top 12 um brian i'm curious about you though would you pay up for that third round price and are you comfortable with him as the running back one on your team no no, no, I'm not way. paying up. No, I, he's, you know what? He could finish the season there, uh, but I got him right in the range of a lot of guys that I sort of have questions about. And if, if you wanted to tell me he's going to finish, you know, RB 15, I'd say, Hey, yeah, cool. Yeah. He might, I got him closer to the RB 21, but <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to hear Flack about it because he is a guy that a lot of TNFF guys yeah. really There's like. There's arguments yeah. to be made, I, though. I, well, you I need him to be Derrick Henry to be, yeah, like you need him to be Derrick Henry, have a 2,000-yard season almost to be a top five running back because he's probably not going to catch 25 passes. Yeah. yeah but I, I think, really you know, like we've that. talked, Trav, about how this is kind of a unique year where big cluster of these running backs, it's like a race to 30. Who catches 30 passes? Like yeah. Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. There's a lot of these guys yeah. that – I'm very confident in, and you know, we could be making similar arguments about JK. And just back to the point about the, uh, like, I do anticipate not only him being the goal line back, but an uptick in volume, like five straight games to start his rookie season. He was below double digit touches, but 11 of the next 12 games, he was above double digits. He got hot towards the end of the year and it was a bit of a down season for the Ravens. So we'll see yeah. how Greg Roman and that, like, I'm not confident necessarily that they're, a super good team to bounce back. I hope they do, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think J.K. Dobbins is uh, enticing if you are desperate to get a running back because he kind of marks the end of that tier. Uh, but I think he's an arguable guy whether you have him off the cliff in the running back dead zone yeah. or before that cliff in the running back dead zone. For sure. And I think he's right on the cusp of that as well. And Brian, like I'm not going to scoff at, at arguments against it because I can totally see that. But um, Ty, you mentioned it. Like, he only had 134 carries last year. Um, and so, I mean, with that, the Jackson five rule, he upped that he was over six, like Nick was talking about. Um, he, he was on like a Nick Chubb level as far as PFF's breakaway percentage. Those are the only two guys in the league who hit 40% for a breakaway percentage. And so that's percentage of their yards gained on plays of 15 plus yards. So he was breaking off big ones all the time. And I think a lot of that is to do with that offense and Lamar Jackson being that he had the most yards before contact and, at, or he was sorry, top five in yards after contact and before contact. Um, and I think he's the only back in the league that can say that. So well, it's hard to do Trav because the team is, you're... the team's doing it for him and he is adding and doing that as well. You know what I mean? If he's getting three yards before he gets touched and then that speed, like he can be at like 85% speed by those three yards or at least getting ready to accelerate like that. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I think, you know, that third round price is really nice, especially I'm a little bit sketched out with the, him being at the top of my death chart. I can totally see that. But if I can get a running back in the first round and have JK as my running back too, that's like an ideal start to a draft for me. So um, I am with it, fellas. Um, this next guy, you were talking about him a little bit earlier, Ty, as well, going around some of the risers that you were talking about. And I think it's very curious how hard this guy is falling. Um, and that would be DeAndre Swift in Detroit. Shout out to our buddy, Nate Williams, Nate underscore FFL. He's in the chat and he is a big Detroit Lions fans. So shout out to him and uh, and the Swift love. Um, but yeah, JK's going as the running back 16 right now. 
and uh, 28th overall. So he's going just ahead of J.K. Dobbins um, and and some of those other dudes that I mentioned with Dobbins. He's actually going seven spots behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now is DeAndre Swift. And I thought that was kind of eye-opening for me. Um, Brad, real quick, what do you think about that seven-spot gap between those two? Do you think you would take uh, DeAndre Swift at that seven-spot discount, or would you go Clyde? Uh, oh, Clyde. Uh, let me pull out my rankings here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I have Clyde at 50 and I have Swift at 16. So you, you could, you could take either one. I, I kind of like Clyde's situation. I would yeah, I rather attach myself to uh, a good offense. Uh, and I, I find right where I have Swift, uh, is where I get into my guys of like six question marks. You know, right. I was talking about that with JK Dobbins, like yeah. right at around that 15 to 21 range. Um, but I, I'd rather attach myself to Clyde Swift. You know, he, yeah, he's got a great offensive line, you know, coming into this year. PFF has them as the offensive line number 10. Um, you know, but People are going to say, oh, I'm going to go to Swift and Hawk. The team's going to be bad. You know, I don't know. I just I, – I don't trust that coaching staff. I don't trust the situation. He's attached to Anthony Glenn. Anthony Glenn's talked up Jamal Williams, uh, you know, and I just – you know, people are talking about uh, Swift and always they want to get him because he's going to have all that passing work and everything. But everybody's talking about Houston. No one wants anybody from Houston. I'm not saying you should go out and draft <laughs> David Johnson. But if you look at it, you know, their projected win totals is like 0.5 different. You know, Houston's at 4.5 for the year for Vegas and, and Detroit's at five. Like, wow. The, yeah. These guys are crazy. Both teams are going to be bad. Like, so, with, with, yeah, I, I'm going to attach myself to uh, Swift over over DJ because of the talent and and I I just I I don't see the huge difference of being like oh I want part of Swift because of the talent but yeah he's on a bad offense but I'm not going to push away all the negative connotations of the bad offense but you know yeah it's totally opposite I just don't get it yeah no I can see that argument for sure I like I just wish I wish there was just a little bit more firepower to make him that much more viable. And um, I think the shady defense is probably going to help him a little bit, but Nick, uh, Brian mentioned Jamal Williams there. And I'm curious to see, like, do you think we're putting too much stock in Jamal Williams potential volume, or do you think it's just about right? And where are you sitting as far as Swift and his ceiling in that bad Detroit Lions offense? I'm, I'm not super concerned about Jamal Williams. Um, I, I think in the previous season, if if you were not concerned about him with Aaron Jones, you shouldn't be concerned about him now. Anthony Lynn, I think, is going to have this Eckler picture. I'm, I'm really sold on it with DeAndre Swift. Uh, my, my big thing with him, so I, I had this graphic I threw out. Um, it was uh, of running backs 2016 through 2020. So running backs who had 60 or more receptions, two-thirds of the time finish as a top 12 running back for fantasy that year. So if they had 60 or more receptions, they were top 12, uh, 66% of the time. I see that for DeAndre Swift. I'm extremely high. He's like my – if I had to stamp out a my guy, 
I'm a Bears fan, so it's a weird thing. But <laughs> I, uh, if I had to stamp out of my guy, it's DeAndre Swift, because I think that there's a clear opportunity, and I think it's very realistic that he can catch 70 to 75 passes. I, I really think he can. And I really think that behind a great O-line, even in a bad offense, a guy who is extremely talented, in my opinion, I thought he was the most talented out of this uh, this draft class. I think behind a good O-line, I think for the ceiling of a 70 reception season, I'm going to have him within my top 12, and I'm going to be extremely high, and I'm outside of the norm for him. But you look at how efficient he was. We talked about efficiency with J.K. Dobbins and Antonio Gibson. This guy scored eight touchdowns on 114 rushes. He had an 80% catch rate. He was top 10 in yards per reception. I think he's a do-it-all back. And when I see Anthony Lynn, not a big fan, but I think somewhere in his head in camp, he's going to have these flashing Austin Eckler lights. He's going to say, hey, give this guy the ball in the passing game. They don't have a ton of pass catchers. The wide receivers Mm -hmm. are super sketchy. We don't know who's going to be the number one wide receiver. We know that TJ Hawkinson is going to get his. But do not be surprised. Again, like I said before, if DeAndre Swift catches 70, 75 balls. So I'm I'm going to be extremely high in him because of the talent. Even though the situation is is bad, it's a bad team, but it's not a bad offensive line. It's not a bad competition for targets, and it's not a bad talent. So I'm I'm really all in on Swift. I mentioned you guys. As long as I get to talk about my guy Swift, I'm gonna be happy tonight. So um, I can talk <laughs> well, all night. I, 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 it's a rookie in limited I, time. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't and think that, that's that's, a bold, that was crazy. That bold prediction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and was like crazy. 13% of the target share. He was 13th in total targets amongst running backs, 10th in receiving yards. He's top 10 in NFL history in catches and receiving yards per game by a 21-year-old rookie running back, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like Swift. He, what he's done is very predictive to future success. It predicts a very successful career arc. And just one thing on uh, the Houston-Detroit debate, because I actually think that's a really strong argument. The only difference is that the Lions have 603 available opportunities targets plus rushes the next highest is 577 with the falcons no other team has more than 430 and the lions have 603 with their two best players still on the team in hawkinson and swift yeah but they got perryman yeah i know yeah He's the hey, he's gonna be the guy who catches all three so of Jared Goff's catchable deep targets, man. I swear it's gonna be him. Um yeah, Sanders. next up, yeah. Uh next up we got Miles Sanders. This one uh tugged at my heartstrings a little bit, but I can totally see why it happened. I've got to admit. Uh Miles Sanders is now going as the running back 20. He's going at 38th overall. So just in like the the top top quarter of the third round. He's going ahead of Josh Jacobs and Travis Etienne, and he's going a full round ahead of guys like Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, and Javante Williams. So I think that's I think that's a pretty decent little tier. But I'm curious, Ty. Uh, Ty let's start with you on this one, buddy. Um, give us uh, give us what you think is attributed to Miles Sanders' slide, and then and then why don't you throw a slime Sanders, and then uh, why don't you throw down to Brian for his thoughts on it. Yeah, it seemed like he put some slime instead of stick him on his hands last year, right? Um, mm, drops don't matter, man. <laughs> no, you know that, like, Trav, and it's funny, like, the, volume, the value still hasn't hasn't shifted too much, so my Sanders over Jacobs is still going strong. Same, buddy. To this day, so we like that. But Miles Sanders has a lot of problems. Uh, number one, how many plays does this offense run in Philadelphia? Number two, how many run plays does this offense run? Number three, how much of those run plays is Jalen Hurts? And number four, how much 
uh, efficiency does Jalen Hurts build in for his running backs because we're not just going to gift him the same efficiency we see with Kyler Murray, with Lamar Jackson, and some of these guys. We have to see it. So there's just so many questions to ask. And then you add in the fact that they drafted Kenny Gainwell, uh, who, you know, we really like. I know there's a lot of issues and the draft capital was pretty low and he didn't play all last year, but that was very explainable why he didn't play last season. So I think, uh, Kenny Gainwell is a very interesting name to know because what he does best is what Miles Sanders does best, and it's what best translates to fantasy. So I think that all coming together is why uh, he's falling down the board, and then we still have to account for player X, who's going to account for some early down, uh, who's going to spell both those guys on early downs. Like there's still going to be a short yardage back in Jordan play. Howard's oh. still there. Yeah, is, is Carry on there as well? Yeah, Jordan Howard yeah, so, and Carry on are there. So yeah. give me Carry on out of those two. Boston, yeah. Boston Scott's still hanging around. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, and Boston Scott is not a little satellite back. He is 207 pounds. I just have to say that every time Boston Scott's name comes up because people think he's like a satellite back. And he's Darren like Sproles, man. He's, he's just Darren Sproles. Yeah, just the words <laughs> comp. Anyone? Yeah. It's like, no, he's like a no. short yardage back, guys. Yeah, and I can come around to that too. It's really. It's really interesting the additions. Like they went out and they traded for Carry On Johnson, you know, and and you know I've been a been a lover of Carry On in the past. I don't think he's going to have a huge effect on it, but Miles Sanders isn't your Najee Harris sized back that's going to be taking these two hundred and fifty carries. So like the role that he fits into is one that's a little bit ripe for the picking to be in a bit of a committee. So uh, I like what you said there, Ty. I think what we could see is a little bit more efficiency maybe in Jalen Hurts providing that, like you said, with some more RPO and. Stuff and some lanes opening, and I think what's going to be an improved offensive line. Um, but Bry guy, what are you thinking for my man Miles this season? Are you um, are you buying at running back twenty? Or are you selling that? That's that's sort of right around where I have him. I have him in those that group of question marks for me. Yeah. Uh, Ty lay out a lot of the key points that I had to talk about. But last year, you know before his injury and in the games that he did play, he did see a 76.3 opportunity share, which was number six in the league. You know, they were using him when, when he was in the games, Uh, he was number 18 in fantasy points per game. I can see the hesitation on people with not knowing how that offense is going to run with hurts and stuff. Um, but I do think people are making too much out of last year's, you know, 54% catch rate when I think it's his catch rate. We saw him be able to do it real well in college. That too, was, so I think that was Carson Wentz and yeah. an, an anomaly because he was like one of the best pass catching backs in the league. He was, the he, was a, he was over 70% the year before. You yeah. know, I, I think that's more the norm. I, I don't expect it to be like last year. So um, yeah, I, I think his slide in ADP has to stem from the questions in the offense more than the talent. For sure, for sure. So, Nick, I'm going to hit you with an either or, okay? Miles Sanders or Javante Williams? Man, that if Javante is starting, if Javante yeah. is starting, if Javante is a starter day one, I think I, I might yeah, go him. That's fair. That's fair. I probably would too. I'm talking today. Let's go Miles Gaskin or Miles Sanders. I, I still, you know, I, I've spoke highly about Gaskin, but I think I might take Sanders. Okay. What about Travis Etienne? I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take Sanders still. Okay. And Ty mentioned Josh Jacobs. 
A lot of people hate on Jacobs. I, I'm going to be against you guys. I might still That's go fair. Jacobs. That's fair. I think it's just the pass catching is the only differentiator because yeah. Jacobs is like a much more secure runner of the football. Even with yeah. Drake in there, I think I think he's still got that. Okay, this one's going to tug on your heartstrings. Miles Sanders or David Montgomery? I'm going to go Monty because I think he's going to be okay. highly involved in the pass game still. Yeah, so you're kind of right around there as well. You would probably have – just kind of gauging by that probably in that running back 20. So I think the price is fair for miles Sanders right now. Like I think yeah. he has some upside on that. Um, but I think a lot of things would have to go right. So, um, and thank you to our man, coach Craig for letting me know that carry on was actually claimed off of waivers. He was does not make a, yeah. And it does make a difference sure. if you're analyzing who the running back two is there in short yardage situations, like it probably will go to Boston Scott who knows the offense and, uh, was he even around? Was he? I don't think he was around when uh, Doug Peterson was there, though, was he? Yeah. Who, Boston Scott? Yeah, was he around there? So he knows, like, the yeah. system coming in as well then because Sariani's will look a lot like Frank Reich's and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that could be a boon to the entire offense is that a lot of players are very familiar with this system. Um, and so I'm excited to see what that uh, largely unknown coaching staff is going to be doing. Um, and on my to-do list, Trav, I have yeah. – check out Hertz pass catching running backs. So I want to go back to Alabama, Oklahoma and see what that running back market share looked like. Uh, yeah. I would like to see that. Yeah. So you should uh, hop to that to-do list, Ty. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Ty has an, Let extremely, us know. he has an extremely long to-do list. He's always thinking of new stuff to cook up. So um, it's appreciated when you toss that out for us in the, in the chats and on Twitter, Ty. Um, I'm going to go through this one a little bit quicker just because I want to see, I want us to try and get in uh, some more of this stuff here. Um, Miles Gaskin, we just talked about him a little bit. Um, and and we've been, we've been liking us some Miles Gaskin as well. He's going as the running back 25 right now. Um, going in the fifth round at number 56 overall. And, uh, and he's right around guys like Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt, and Chase Edmonds. Sorry, I got my, my girls are at the door right there. Um, <laughs> hopefully everything's I okay. Thought you were, I thought you were um, Blown kisses yeah, I, goodbye to Miles Sanders market share or something. Oh, <laughs> I thought wow. that was for us. I thought that was for us for a second, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it's your kids. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Nick, why don't you tell me, like, do you, do, would you have Miles Gaskin in a similar tier to those guys I just mentioned in ETN, Jacobs, and Sanders? Or do you think he's a little bit of a step behind those guys? You said 25, right? For the ADP. I, yeah. I, I think that, I think it, it's fair. I mean, some of the other guys are around that. I think you mentioned uh, Hunt and ETN. Those are guys that are going to be potentially fighting for for some snaps at times, regardless of ETN if he takes the the full snaps. But you know, my my one question for Gaskin, he was super super good in the passing game, and I wonder if that is still going to be as good this season, just because they added some more pass catchers in in Fuller and Waddle. I wonder if he's going to get the same sort of work. Um, was he good for fantasy this past season? He was RB 16 before the buys, So absolutely. But I think in that mid twenties range is probably fair. Is he a guy I'd like on my team? Absolutely. They didn't add a guy in free agency. They could have went after four nets or Aaron Jones. We talked about it. I think on this podcast of uh, yes, free agency. it's in the feed. Yeah. And that is a lot of still green information pre NFL draft. We were yep. all, uh, especially Nick singing the praises of miles Gaskin as yeah. a guy. Yep. Nailed that yeah. one, Nick. Yeah, and I and I love and I I'd love to have him on my team. I, I just don't. I don't know if he's going to be that like RB fifteen guy, but can he be very relevant in fantasy? Absolutely, and he's a guy you can get for the low. So I'm I'm about it. 
Yeah, man, I like that. And Ty talks about Gaskin and how he has this pass catching role locked down. Um, and I looked into it today, and uh, Gaskin played in four games that Tua played a majority of, soaked up 12% of the team's targets. And I think that's definitely adequate for him to probably do a little bit better than that running back 25 with some of the goal line work that he had last year. Malcolm Brown might have might have something to say about that, but I think Gaskin's going to get his, provided that they keep this running room as is. So I, I definitely like that. And then- and- Sorry, Lynn. Like, so if you look at two of his top receivers on the season during his entire time, Mike Gasicki was first with 29 catches. Lynn Bowden was second with 21. Jakeen Grant was fourth with 21. Or sorry, Lynn Bowden had 27 catches. So 21 Mm -hmm. for Jakeen Grant, 27 for Bowden, 29 for Mike Gasicki. So running back, you know, all these catches are coming low average depth of target. I think the offensive line is kind of the X factor for this offense. If they can protect Tua, then he can deliver these deep balls to Will Fuller and to Jalen Waddle. If they can't, then they're going to go a lot to uh, who he's more comfortable throwing to. And he's fine dumping it off, I think. Sorry, not to cut you off, but I'm I'm just saying with, with those guys that can extend the field, might help Gaskin as well because I don't think that they had that uh, availability this past yeah. season. So, I mean, if everything was kind of a short, short um, defensive scheme, now you can extend the field. It might open up e- even more lanes for Gaskin. Yeah, 100%. I think that's going to be a, a big piece of his production this season for sure. Um, so, Ty, why don't you fire into those wide receiver risers, my man, and uh, let's get Mosey in and try and get some of those guys in. So I have the wide receiver 21 in ADP since July 1st, 56th overall on the FFPC and best ball drafts, Jamar Chase. Me and me and Bri, we seem to talk a lot of Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers when we get on the mics together. So I'll go to Nick. Um, what, what do you think about Jamar Chase starting to get on the rise here, Nick? He's going right behind uh, guys like Tyler Lockett. Or sorry, so Tyler Lockett is going behind him. Teammate T. Higgins going behind him, Deontay Johnson, Brendan Ayuk. Are you comfortable with Jamar Chase uh, going ahead of some of these other guys who all definitely have some question marks? Like, do you see the big payoff with Jamar Chase in this range of fantasy drafts? So uh, out of that list, not Deontay Johnson, but I can see him ahead of some of these other guys. Um, We saw the Bengals this past season, uh, three wide receiver sets on 82% of offensive plays. We also saw a lot of guys we did not expect to do so well in fantasy, Jefferson, CD, Claypool, and Higgins all do super good. So, I mean, if people want to jump early on the shot that he becomes one of these guys from this past season, a top 28 wide receiver, I'm... I'm for it because we know the talent is there. We know that he has the alpha wide receiver ability. He's reuniting with the guy that made him lead the league in receiving yards and lead the league in um, receiving (laughs) touchdowns back in college. So I think if people want to be ahead of the curve after seeing some of the rookies from this past year, I I can't, I can't fault him for it. Um, So Nick, do you think he is that talented? Like, do you think he's one of the best wide receivers we've seen come out and say the past half decade? I think he, I do. I think he has everything you would look for in an alpha wide receiver. So a guy that can literally, literally with the ball in his hand, extend the field and play make nonstop. I think he's very physical off the line. I, I think he competes all over the field. I think again, a guy that can be strong and fast and break tackles and 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 uh, be a playmaker. Uh, I, I agree with you, Ty. I, I really do. And I think, you know, you look at some of these wide receivers as rookies and what they offer. You look at a guy like Chase Claypool. What did he offer last year in comparison to um, T. Higgins? It's, it's different things. And I think for a guy like this, 
he's complete. So why not jump ahead of the curve and kind of reach on him? So do you think T Higgins kind of turns into a more chase Claypool type of option for a fantasy team? Like, do you think he's going to be a more volatile option in 2021? Or do you think, because you mentioned the three wide receiver sets and over 70% of the targets have already gone to wide receivers in the Zach Taylor era. So do you think there's room for both T Higgins and Jamar Chase to pay off their ADPs? And I could even throw Tyler Boyd in that mix. And everybody, by the way, knows how me and Brian feel on this issue. I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say because I'm not saying I'm not saying all these guys being able to pay off their ADPs. Like I I think whoever you take from this Bengals wide receiver room, you're going to be pretty happy with. And the one guy I'll I'll plug the one guy before I let somebody else talk, but Tyler Boyd wide receiver 11 when Joe Burrow was healthy and everybody wants to say that he's off in the desert somewhere and he's like not really draftable at his ADP. And and I, I think he's kind of a steal because I think this offense can support three guys. We saw three guys in other systems be relevant last year, and I think that's the same case here. But I'll let you guys talk more on that. Nick, we can be friends now. <laughs> no, it was, it, and that's all exactly what we've been saying, right? And you, you mentioned three threes the number. We saw a few wide receivers leave Cincinnati in the offseason. So, you know, we have available volume that we know we can distribute in this system, this pass-happy wide receiver funnel offense. So, it's very exciting to see somebody like AJ Green go out the door, even though he's one of my favorite wide receivers ever, but he left so fucking much on the table last year. And that leaves them top 10, the Bengals, in what targets, market share, uh, targets inside the 10-yard line available, almost 1,800 air yards from last season are gone. That's almost 40% of their air yards. Um Speaking of air yards, I'm going to move right along here. The air yards team to buy this year is going to be the Dallas freaking Cowboys. CD Lamb is going, though. It's not a secret. He's the wide receiver 12 in over 70 drafts from July on the FFPC. He's going basically at the end of the third round now, which really surprised me because I guess I've been missing on CD Lamb a little bit. I missed on him in the Scott Fishbowl after taking Dak early, but uh, he hasn't gone later than 43rd in any one of those drafts. So, Wow. What are we doing here with CD Lamb, Brian? Are you taking him number one over Amari Cooper, his teammate, who he is going ahead of now? Are you taking him over guys like Allen Robinson, who's going right behind him? And what do you think his upside is? Like, is he the end zone guy here? Is he the volume guy? Wow, I you had me for the loop. I uh, I had him down just pulling some ADP. I thought he was going later than that, but. No, I, 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 I can't take him over Amari or Allen Robinson. As much as I love CeeDee Lamb, you know, I he was my favorite wide receiver coming out last year. Uh, you know, when Dak was, was healthy last year, we saw him be the wide receiver 11 through five weeks. Uh, we saw great uh, flashes from him. Um, but I, I can't take him over, over Cooper in that offense. I, I still think Cooper is going to be the alpha. Uh, I don't know how that whole uh, wide receiver group's going to look this year. You know, last year we saw a CD play primarily in the slot. There's been yeah. coach speak talking about how Gallup's been working in the slot a little bit more. Is CD going to play outside a little bit more? Is he going to be in the slot? I still think it's going to be, uh, a lot of targets and a lot of production for CD Lamb, especially in that offense. You know, they have a great strength of schedule. 
there he's going to see some good uh, matchups, especially if he's playing in the slot against a lot of those defenses. Um, but uh, I I can't take him that high. You know, I right now I, I think I have him as my wide receiver sixteen, um, which I thought was pretty high. But I'm not Total. taking like that's him not out. The, I, I'm not taking him inside the top twelve. No, and he, he is a guy that we've all been comfortable with in the fourth round all offseason, and now we have to kind of pause and think now that he's going in that third round. And he might continue to ascend just because the information will start to pile in about how effective that Dallas offense is going to be under Kellen Moore and how much that all uh, slant towards the the weapons in the passing game. And, so Brian, and you got you to gotta take into consideration later on the hard knocks effect. In the draft too, right? I didn't think about that. You know, yeah. they're, they're, steps they're, ahead, man. They're, they're on hard knocks. That ADP is going to go up by, by the really, time like normal really draft season. I was, I was thinking that you know, for our question at the end of rises and followers. But anyway, we'll get back to that later. So I'm going to go right back to you, Bry Guy, because this guy, if you want a full, good, comprehensive breakdown, check out the Dynasty Radar article that came out today by Brian on the True North Fantasy Football uh, website, not the podcast that's on the website. Um, And that's Antonio Brown, a guy that we have been robbed having not gotten on Hard Knocks ever. What the fuck? Um, Because we we would love to see him on Hard Knocks and uh, the the opening. He was was on the Raiders one for a bit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? For a minute. For a Fuck minute. My yeah. helmet doesn't fit. Yeah. My feet are broken. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Tough break. So for all you kids out there, if you go into a cryogenic thingy, make sure you're putting on the special footwear. That, yeah, make uh, sure you take your booties. Yeah. Um, first world problems. So yeah. Antonio Brown is back in the top 40 hits. He is a top 40 wide receiver. Brian, are you comfortable with him over the likes of LaVisca Chenault, Devontae Smith. What about this one? Are you taking one of the, cause I know you like these guys as well, Bry guy, or at least Uh-oh. Jerry Judy is a big proponent of yours. So Antonio Brown or Jerry Judy, you're in the ninth round. You can only take one. Uh, I'm going to take Judy there, but yeah. uh, uh, yes. Brown's 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 really high on my board. I really like him this year. So because of that, are you taking Antonio Brown over Cortland Sutton? If he's still there. Um, I, I, I I have them really close. It depends on what my roster construction is, Ty, on that one. (laughs) That's Uh, a good point. (laughs) You know, I, 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 I'm going to go with feeling. Like, are you suggesting that the ceiling play might be with Cortland Sutton, but you know, Antonio Brown might be a little bit safer. Yeah. I, I think Antonio Brown has a really safe floor this year, you know, uh i'll just get into it last last year once brown came back after having that extended time off you know once he was let go from new england the offseason didn't start till like week nine once he was back or into that offense with the bucks he was able to gobble up uh target share 17 percent you know mike evans was that's crazy 22 percent and godwin was at 18 percent you know he was able to come in and establish himself in the offense and gain brady's trust right off the get-go you know he was one of the most uh targeted wide receivers per route run once he was in the offense it was crazy 
you know, Tampa, uh, they last year they passed sixty two point nine percent of the time last year. They haven't done anything to that backfield to make me think anything's going to change. You know, so if Arians here too, why fix it? Right, they're they're going to still throw that ball. They're going to spread it around between those three really skilled high uh, wide receivers, and I think. At minimum, you're getting a wide receiver three out of Antonio Brown. And if a couple touchdowns go his way, or you know, he ends, I got in trouble earlier saying an injury, but it, he takes on a bigger role <laughs> in the offense or something. You know, I think his ceiling's a lot higher. But he he would be the floor play against T Higgins. Back to the original con, uh, question. And Brady likes him. Brady Brady likes him. Oh, yeah, he brought um, him in. What about yeah. Mike Williams? That's the next guy on my list. And he's actually going right below Antonio Brown right now. So, you know, you were pretty high saying, you know, Antonio Brown might deliver a wide receiver three season comfortably. Mike Williams is probably more of a boomer bust volatile guy, but do you think he's going to give you a lot of spiked weeks or are you a little bit off of Mike Williams heading into his contract year with the chargers? Um, Mike Williams, I, he, he could, we've always seen that from Mike Williams. You know, he, he offers you those boom bust weeks, you know, he's, He's constantly used as that vertical threat. You know, he was number 12 in deep targets, number nine in average target distance. Uh, we've seen a lot from Mike Williams. You know, we've we've seen a double-digit uh, touchdown season. We've seen a 1,000-yard season. It's just, is he going to put them together? You know, he's. I love watching the guy when he's up in the air and he's going up for those contested catches. He's like an albatross, you know. He's beautiful and flying, but when he comes to the ground, he doesn't know how to land. He doesn't know how to land. He just looks awkward and then gets hurt, and then he's banged <laughs> up for a couple of games. I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in him, but he has the upside. I just a lot of times I'm just gonna move on by a little bit. Nick, what uh, what what do you think about Mike Williams? Like, are you looking at someone like Mike Williams, or are you going to take a shot on maybe a Miami wide receiver like Will Fuller or Jalen Waddle, who are both kind of falling and in that same range? It's strange because like all three of those guys can have massive games, right? Just because they can open up the field. But when Mike Williams, he he's never finished top thirty, you know, in, in his career for mm -hmm. fantasy. Mm -hmm. I I think. I think he's that guy. I'm I'm envisioning me in my home league. I'm projected a lot less points than uh, the guy in first place, so I have to put a big upside dart throw in my flex spot that week. So I'm rolling with Mike Williams. But then when I'm in a safer matchup, I'm probably not. I think a lot of these games, you look at Justin Herbert, super good. You know they're going to throw the ball a lot. But like you guys kind of already alluded to, can you expect this guy to score 14 points? just 14 points on a weekly basis. I, I don't think so. Um, you hope that this coming season, he gets over a hundred targets and that he can capitalize on the touchdown upside that he does have. But uh, he's just not a comfortable player for me. just because we've never seen him be that guy that you can play on a weekly basis. So um, I, I'd say chasing a matchup, throw in Mike Williams. Uh, if not, I, you might pivot elsewhere on a guy that might be more consistent with volume and, and dependency there. Totally. And my problem with Mike Williams is the people going around him. Like I just, mm -hmm. I'd rather the Michael Gallup in case he is in the slot in Dallas. I'd rather a Curtis Samuel in case he, he really does have that connection uh, established with, with, with Fitz and uh, the, the reuniting with the, uh, 
with the boys from Carolina. But uh, the last wide receiver riser I have here is from your Bears, Nick. I have Darnell Mooney. And I know there is a ton of Darnell Mooney proponents. So we are keeping in mind this is a risers episode, right? So, yeah, he's barely a top 50 wide receiver. I think he's a wide receiver 51 in July on the FFBC best ball ADPs. Uh, so not super expensive, but I'm suggesting this climb could continue throughout the offseason. And he's also going around a lot of guys I love, whether that's Elijah Moore, Russell Gage, Miko Hardman, a lot of guys that are also designated as fast risers at this point of the offseason. So, Nick, weigh in on any of those guys, but let me know what you're thinking as a Bears fan for Darnell Mooney heading into uh, 2021. Yeah, so on a quick note of who he's going around, um, it it depends on your draft. I mean, if Elijah Moore, I'm the biggest Elijah Moore truther. If he's on the board and it's Darnell Mooney, I'm not thinking twice. Even Russell Gage, I, I, I like a lot. But if you go down the list and you're weighing things out, does he have the opportunity to be the wide receiver two on this offense? 100%. 100%. We're not talking about Anthony Miller or Javon Wims or anybody else, Riley Ridley in this um this offense, but uh, <laughs> you look at a guy, I had to, yeah, I had to be careful there. Uh, three, three, three games with 16 plus fantasy points this past season, but he had 11 games under 10, 23% of the balls thrown to him were off target. We saw the clips. He was overthrown, underthrown oh, all, all over so the place. Bad. Justin Fields will elevate this guy because you go to YouTube and you type in Justin Fields highlights. You'll see him like, obviously he's running the ball and things like that, but the big arm, and that's key for Darnell Mooney. So can, plays, can, yeah. exactly. So can he beat the wide receiver 51? I think absolutely. If this offense is improved through Justin Fields and he is getting balls thrown to him in deep. But again, like we can all say, hey, this guy can be 10 spots better. But you have to in your draft kind of weigh out. Well, who's going around him and who will I take first? A lot of people have been super high on Mooney. And even as a Bear fan, I'm not as high. But again, it just depends on your draft. So you're, you're, you're there on draft day. You're thinking Justin Fields with Darnell Mooney. This can be a, a, a good thing. But, you know, Elijah Moore is right there. So if that was me, I'm like Elijah yeah. Moore. So it just depends <laughs> Depends on your draft. Who, who's going around him? He will and be better than lot. wide receiver 51, I think, though. Yeah, totally. Especially in certain weeks. And you're right, though. There is a lot of even other names like, you know, Marvin Jones. There's veterans like Corey Davis. There's guys that I like going in his range. Uh and I've given the stat before, Trav, but I just have to every single time that it comes up. Because even if you're not a Justin Fields fan, just remember that it won't be Mitch Trubisky, right? So if I look at 161 qualified quarterbacks going back a half decade who had 25 plus deep ball attempts on PFF, 160 of them completed at least 20% of those deep ball attempts, except Mitch Trubisky, who completed just 18.2% of his deep balls last year. So they were the definition of prairie yards. If there ever was one to be defined, like if you want that picture beside prairie yards, it would be 2020 Trubisky and, <laughs> and what's his face wouldn't have been much different. Uh, big Dick Foles wouldn't have been uh, a much different result. I don't think uh, if I was to dig up those stats. Mm -hmm. Ty, you could probably do just as good if you could throw it that far. Thank you. Guys <laughs> are nice to each other on this podcast, man. I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Ty. Um, I'm going to get into the wide receiver followers, but really quick, I do just want to mention uh, another one of our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, 
player props. You can get in there. You can drop some cash and you can win big. I just won a bunch of money on the UFC fights that were this past weekend. Obviously, it's not football season, but they've got, uh, like I said, UFC. They've got baseball. They've got basketball, hockey, any sport that's going pretty much. You can throw some cash down on Monkey Knife Fight. So go over there, use our promo code TNFF, and you will get an instant match on your first deposit of up to $50. So if you drop 50, you can get 100 through Monkey Knife Fight by using our promo code, and that is TNFF. So thank you to everybody who's gone and signed up. Thank you to Monkey Knife Fight for having us. It's been a blast, and we're looking forward to this season. Uh, but to get into some fallers, Ty, I only got a couple here. Um, the the risers were kind of the fun ones to talk about. Um, but one curious, well, one, obviously, I know why this guy is falling, and that would be A.J. Brown. Obviously, the acquisition of Julio Jones coming into the Tennessee offense was a what looks to be a big, big hit to his value. And I'm definitely going to open this up to chat with you guys and see what you think on that. Uh, but he's currently going as the wide receiver eight. So obviously, he's falling a little bit, but not huge. But I think before this, maybe the consensus might have had him in the top five. Um, I, I know he's a lot in a of tier. He's yeah, in a tier, it I think. Too. It's really, really hard. That's like the second tier of wide receivers, maybe the third, depending on how you do your ranks. And um, maybe and wide receiver one. Yeah. Exactly. And going to be the wide receiver one on your team. So you have to decide if you're comfortable with that, right? Um, so he's just going at the top of the third round. Um, Brian, let's start with you. What's your take on the Julio effect and how it pertains to AJ Brown's outlook this year for the Tennessee Titans? Um, just to put a note in there, Julio is actually still going as the wide receiver 16 as well. So people are expecting some some big wide receiver production out of that Tennessee offense. Oh, you're on mute, dog. <laughs> she just all kept nodding like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. totally. <laughs> Except I had my notes up. I wasn't even looking at the video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me start again. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not much has changed for me. I'm, I'm still comfortable with AJ Brown. You know, I, I have him as my wide receiver nine. Uh, you know, but he won't be getting as much many double teams. You know, with Julio on the field, some of that pressure of him uh is going to be taken off you know if julio wasn't there who are you going to cover aj brown that's that's all they had until they got julio jones you know um you know they're still going to be uh throwing the ball off play action uh he's not going to be a high volume guy but the offense has never been high volume and aj brown's excelled just on his on his efficiency you know i can see both him and uh julio having around 100 targets and but aj brown having more yards being a um, more of a yak guy and i think uh aj brown's gonna have more touchdowns than julio because you know Julio doesn't score <laughs> touchdowns so i i'm i'm comfortable where he's going um yeah that's that's all i gotta say about that yeah no i like that man i like that and, and we're gonna have to see a shift if we want ultimate ceiling from these guys but i think both of them can do a lot of work after the catch both of them can take deep targets both of them can take some shorter targets and do something with it as well um so i think it's going to be cool to watch this offense because i think it's safe to say that julio jones is still a step up from Corey davis um but uh nick i am curious um for you i'm gonna give you another either or are you going ajb um or, or cd lamb this year i think i'll still go aj brown okay cool uh terry mack 
You know what? I, I still might go AJ Brown. We're getting there though, right? Like, what about Michael Thomas? Yeah. I'm still gonna go AJ Brown. Okay, and then uh, the last two, DK. I'm gonna go DK. Okay, okay, and Ju- Justin Jefferson. Then I guess would be would be above that. Uh, yeah, I'd have him above that as well. Yeah, awesome, man. No, I think that's that's kind of right where AJ Brown belongs, and and I think you know a lot of that has to do with the touchdowns and the work that he does on his own, taking balls that's to the house. Right. Yeah, so I like that. Um, okay, this last one is definitely a little predictable. We've been talking about some of the hey. other guys. <laughs> no one cares about this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know what? I'm gonna take that consensus being at where we're at with our time, and I'm moving on to the tight ends, boys. I'm taking the <laughs> tight end risers. Enough of these fallers. I'm ascending, folks. Let's send it, okay? Um, so I'm gonna start off actually in 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 the tight end risers with a group of three. Uh, and that would be Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and TJ Hawkinson. So I'm kind of gonna wrap these guys all into one. All three of them are top five tight ends per ADP. All of them are going inside the top 40 picks as well. So, you know, that's just inside the third round in a bit, right? So you got to draft these guys high if you want them. Um, but guys, I'm just, just real quick. Is it fair to say that Darren Waller is probably a tier above Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson for 2021? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm getting agreement. Awesome. So PC episode for uh, Brian's thoughts because Brian took him in the uh, late first round because FFPC is tight end premium, of course. Screwed right. me up because I was on seven. the turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it screwed right. me up because I was on hey. the turn and the FFPC wheels were uh, spinning. So I was looking to do the double tight end tap. And then uh, Bry Guy comes in. Bry Guy pulls it out and snipe shows you. Um, no, that's good. So, um, Brian, I'm going to come to you on that note. Um, with Waller being a tier above and you taking him in the top, you know, in the middle of the first round. So you obviously like him, but I'm curious which of Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson, do you think has the best chance to make that, that same tier as Darren Waller and maybe make the big three into a big four at tight end Uh, this year or in dynasty? Um, I would (laughs) say like this year, who do you think has the best chance at, uh, at producing up to that level? I, I I think it's going to be Kyle Pitts that has the uh, best chance, and I'm sure Smokey and Dan and yeah. everybody else that is listening is now not going to lynch me. Uh, <laughs> Coach Craig might because yeah. I like I said earlier, I have I have no faith in that uh, Detroit passing game or offense or franchise. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, Hawkinson's still my, my tight end five, but, uh, I, I do have Kyle Pitts as my four and I think he has the highest ceiling, you know, he's, oh, yeah. he's a great athletic prospect. Uh, it's just whether we're going to get that, um, the best rookie tight end season of all time and, you know, Travis Kelsey, Zeus and God, like season that everybody's projecting <laughs> from Kyle Pitts, you know? Uh, but he definitely has the highest ceiling. Yeah, for sure. I think he has Kelsey-like ceiling, for sure. Um, and is it Kelsey or is it Kels? Guys, did you see oh, that yeah, on Twitter? Yeah. That. Did you see I that? I'm not doing it either. I'm no. saying Kelsey as well. You, you can't, yeah, brother that, Kelsey you can't, you can't change yeah. it now. Yeah, it's I the older brother you gotta listen to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple 
couple of yeah. pops that people night. you can't trust people named Travis, Travis man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Good point. <laughs> um, Good point. Nick, Nick, I want to tap into some of your tight end philosophy here because seeing that all these guys have to be drafted in the top 40 picks, you're spending some serious capital and maybe sacrificing elsewhere on your roster to do so. So are you drafting these guys at cost, knowing that you have that advantage in your tight end spot, or are you still comfortable letting them go, building up the other spots? Like how would you attack it? Um, or is it maybe case by case? I mean, it's obviously depends on, uh, we, we just heard a case where a tight end went super high in a league. It's going to depend on how your league goes, but the positional advantage, it's real. It's real. Um, I guess it depends on what you're looking for, uh, in your draft and, and what's important to you. So, um, if you want that positional advantage, you're going to have to pay for it, whether it's Mm -hmm. Kelsey or Waller, even a guy like Kyle Pitts is going to go high in your draft. And if you have the faith that, you know, all this, uh, well, historically, rookie tight ends haven't done this. Like, if you're outside of uh, the group talk with stuff like that, you're going to have to pay for it. But uh, determine – I've talked to Steffi on my show uh, about it. Determine what you're looking for in a tight end. Do you want a guy that has a, you know, a high upside touchdown uh, availability? Or do you want a guy that potentially could be the second or third option target on his team or a guy that's going to see seven-plus targets on a weekly basis? You just have to kind of find if you're not going to take one of these top-tier guys – all right, so I, I didn't I didn't draft them early. What am I looking for now? So I think individually you're going to have to start establishing your own what am I looking for because if Ty wants a high-volume guy and I want a high-touchdown guy, we're probably not going to draft the same and vice versa. So uh, establish your own what you're looking for in a tight end if you're not grabbing one of these guys. But for me, I, I'd be all for it. Um, I'm in a keeper league in, in a, a home league, and I have a bunch of studs. I took second. I got uh, – sniped for a, a dub for the championship but i'm for sure keeping waller because i know next season for my three person keeper league i have an advantage so totally. again person to person yeah and i like that too that you brought that up because in like a home league i might take that advantage um a little bit more often than i might in a league with some sharps from twitter or the fantasy community um just because i want to make sure that i just cram it down my league mates throats because they're all my buddies from high school you know um so i'm looking at the ffpc adp here guys um and uh and i'm gonna come to you again nick here so if you're on the clock and ffpc is tight end premium right so darren waller's adp right now is like right around the 10 spot 9 10 spot um tyreek is actually going right behind him are you taking darren waller in a tight end premium at the at the 10 spot or are you going to take tyreek hill I I might I might take Darren Waller because I I think that uh, Tyreek Hill you can say that there's probably five guys that you can kind of project around what he can do. Darren Waller second most targets in the Renzo in this past season, and he's going to have more receiving yards than a ton of wide receivers, if not yeah. most wide receivers. So in, in a league setting like that, you have to look at hey player A, player B, how many players are similar, and if one guy has a bunch and one guy has like one, I'm going with Waller. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Ty, I'm going to come to you to top this top this tight end segment off here. Um, the next two tight ends on, off the board after um, Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson are Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard. So I'm going to ask, would you put either of those two in the same tier as Pitts and Hawkinson? And do you think that either of them could um, maybe ascend into that tier or as early as 2022? No, I think Mark Andrews definitely belongs in that conversation. He's been in that conversation the last couple of years. He's dominated not only just the market share, but the touchdown market share in Baltimore while uh, Lamar Jackson's been starting. And I know Rashad Bateman comes in and threatens a lot of like the ultra monopoly that 
Hollywood and Andrews have split. Uh, so it's going to come down to me monitoring what's happening in that slot. But so long as Mark Andrews is still freed up to play a lot in the slot, I think Mark Andrews is significantly undervalued because of Rashad Bateman coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, he has been the wide receiver one in that offense, and it's not even been close. Like Mark Andrews uh, saw a little bit fewer targets than Hollywood last year, but obviously did a lot more with them. But he also had a down season along with that team. So if you're expecting a bounce back from Baltimore, you should be expecting a bounce back from Mark Andrews. And yeah. Willie Sneed is gone, who was like a big hindrance for not just Hollywood playing in the slot, but Mark Andrews playing in the slot. So I think Mark Andrews is definitely that guy. Uh, won't surprise me if he leads this league, leads league in touchdowns when it comes to tight ends. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if TJ Hawkinson does either. Like I really like TJ and Andrews. Because, like I said, this is all in relation to where somebody's going in a fantasy draft. And Kyle mm -hmm. Pitts is going to go a lot earlier than those two. Yeah. And I think they have similar ranges of outcomes. I know Kyle Pitts has a lot more week-to-week um, -week, you know, floor, I think, when it comes to four catches for 60 yards or whatever. Uh, but Hawkinson, like about 65% of their 10-zone market share is up for grabs. Kenny Galladay is gone. Marvin Jones is gone. They're going to not score five touchdowns. Like Jared Goff's going to throw like 20 touchdowns in 17 games. Sorry, mm -hmm. Goff haters, but he's going to throw a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, and and TJ Hawkinson's going to score a shitload of those. So I really yeah. like both those players. And I think you're getting a good value on them. Dallas Goddard, I have no idea what to do with because yeah. if you want to take him in that range, like I think he's way overvalued. Uh, yeah, I think so like too. If, if you are taking him in that range, you are saying that he is the number one option in that passing game. You're saying that Devonte Smith is probably overvalued in wide receiver 36 territory. Uh, and, and that's a lot of uh, assumptions that we have to make. And then you're obviously assuming that Zach Ertz does get the fuck out of town because we're waiting for that to finally happen as well. Uh, yeah. The problem is there's just no suitors like Buffalo seems relatively interested, but they're asking Philly to like eat all his salary, I would imagine. And it's just, mm -hmm. if it hasn't happened yet, when the heck is it going to happen? Cause camp yeah. is a month away here. So oh, uh, Goddard's the guy being, dating in that range. Yeah. He's being priced as if Ertz is already gone. Yeah. Right? I think that's kind of crazy too, and because I, think I don't get the discount on fans. Yeah. Like Noah Fant has a lot of drawbacks as well. I just have, I, I love those. Yeah. Yeah. But it sucks. <laughs> Cause those guys are so talented. Uh, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, have different skill sets, but both have very uh, elite skill sets when it comes to guys to attach to for fantasy and dynasty leagues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm conscious of the time here. I'm going to go to our last question here, Ty. I'm going to, I'm going to cut the piss off on the tight ends here. Um, the last guy that I was going to mention though, was Gerald Everett. And I encourage anybody to go back to last week's episode. Yeah. Cause we talked about, uh, we talked about Gerald Everett a lot with Jeff or Jeff Lambert who came on from going for two and Jeff is incredible. And we had a really good discussion about Gerald Everett. So I uh, definitely encourage anybody to go and check that episode out. Um, so the or last check out question. the dynasty radar that came out today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. There it is. There it is. I like it. Um, nice. true, North, true North FFB.com. Brian wrote an article today. Um, well, he didn't write it today, but it was posted today. Um, and uh, the last question that I've got on here, gentlemen, is to predict a player who will rise in ADP through camp and the preseason. So we've talked about a bunch of them, but I want you guys to give us somebody that you think could come up even further as we get that camp hype come in and we see guys in uh in starting to practice and get into training camp and stuff. So uh Brian, let's start with you. Who do you think is a player that you is going to rise in ADP through the camp preseason? 
before besides all of the Dallas Cowboys and Hard Knocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I I was thinking about it and I was originally gonna go with Javante Williams. Um but yeah, it's but cool. I'm gonna go with all of the Green Bay Packers once Aaron Rodgers says, ha ha, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. back, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I like it. Everybody like there, everybody there in Green Bay is gonna be a discount if you've already done your drafts. Nice. And they're gonna be good. So do I take Should, Gus uh, Edwards or AJ Dillon? AJ Dillon. Nice. Wow, Dang. I'm going. I think Damn. I'm going. I think I'm going. Gus on that one with Aaron Rodgers back. Um, we should call you Brian outside of the box, Bailey, for how outside of the box you're thinking. Some next level shit today, Brian. So thank you, buddy. Um, yeah, first you had the Cowboys thing, and now you're going Aaron Rodgers level. I, I love it. Um, Nick, how about you, man? Who do you think is going to ascend in our ADP as we move towards the season? So ADP, I'm looking at the general population of fantasy sure. players and you get uh, recent news. So I'm looking at three things here uh, that people like. They like recency bias. So looking at this past season, who's a smaller name guy that rose to the occasion and name was named the starter. I'm looking at people love rookies. They love rookie fever and they also love starting running backs. So I think that the minute camp comes out and says, hey, day one, Michael Carter is our starting running back. I think a lot of people are going to flock to that because again, yeah, yeah. they saw what James Robinson did once he was out of nowhere named the starter. I mean, we're talking about general fantasy consumers here. They people love rookies and people love starting running backs. So yeah, I think he's like right around RB 31, 32 at the end. I wouldn't be surprised if a camp note comes out and says day one, My Michael Carter is our starter and the fantasy casual just sprints and says, I'm, I'm taking this guy. I'm taking this guy. So that, that's my pick. Totally, man. And Michael Carter for the ADP that we've been looking at, he's going as the running back 29 at the top of the seventh round. So he, he was somebody that I actually had listed as well, Nick. So I love that. Um, Ty, you got any names there? Not really. I mean, there's guys that are rising and will continue to rise that we didn't touch on just because we've talked extensively about them. So I just wanted people to know that we didn't forget about Mikey D. We've yeah. just talked a lot of Mike Davis throughout the offseason. Trey Sermon is somebody that I'll continue to pound the table for. So I'll shut up about him today. But there, there is a lot of these guys and you guys, you, you name the people, right? Like, focus on the teams. Think outside the box. Rookies are always going to move up. So it's, it's definitely... Uh, a case where you want to be buying these players now before they start to move up. But you also want to factor in how much of that's baked into their price. Like a Michael Carter, who you do have to take in like the seventh or eighth round. He's already moved up. Like we might have, we might have missed it is all I'm saying. But some of these guys, yeah. Mike Davis included, right? Like these are guys that I just want to warn that we might have missed on. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a you tough, it's a tough a game. Little bit. Tough game. Yep, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with buying high in Dynasty anyways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta, Hey Nick, you gotta play to win, right? Brother. Always that plug, that plug though. Always, good, always a uh, couple, a uh, couple names that I had jotted down. Um, DJ Chark, Devonte Smith, Michael Pittman and Miko Hardman at the wide receiver position because Miko, Miko Hardman always rises up our ADP as you sure as death and taxes, him, um, you, you know, him. especially if he continues to run as the wide receiver two in the chiefs offense. And yes, Brian, I am ready to get my heart broken again by Miko Hardman. And for running backs, all I had was Michael Carter, like Nick said, and then Damian Harris and Rashad Penny. 
I think could be uh, guys who rise up in, in ADP. So I love how that was encapsulated, fellas. And I, I really appreciate uh, you guys coming on because that's all we got for this episode. It was a great time. It's always good to have you on, Brian. And it was a pleasure as always, Nick. Um, so Brian, why don't you let uh, the folks know where to find you and then let us know what you're working on for, for the off season and into 2021. Uh, at Dave FF Aviator, you can find all my uh, articles at uh, True North FFB. Uh, the Dynasty Radar is what I normally work on. It's monthly uh, written work of Dynasty buys and sells. Um, one drop today. Hopefully, get the next one out uh, the beginning of next month, not late like this month. Uh, all depends on how camping next week goes. But uh, you can also <laughs> find me on. maybe one or two uh (laughs) but you can also find me on the bird app at uh yeah the ff aviator i'm kicking around there beautiful love it and nick uh thanks again man fantasy points media group we are just humming along it's been a good summer so far connecting with you and all the other brands in there um we can find you obviously at p2w fantasy but let them know what you're working on let them i think you got some people on the team over there too so give a plug my man yeah, my, my brother occasionally helps. Uh, I do a majority of almost everything, though, um, with the brand. Uh, throughout the week, probably live at least once, sometimes twice. Throw out some articles, some infographics, things like that. I, I put some TikTok videos trying to stay young and stuff like that as well. But, uh, yeah, just try to be diverse about things um, and stay active as possible. And this is the third time I'm saying it, but uh, it's a pleasure being part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. I know this – industry is like all about competing and getting likes and views but i I don't look at it that way like i'm trying to do my own thing and be around good people so i love being um back on this podcast i love being part of uh this big fantasy points media group with you guys and uh respect the hell out of what you guys are doing so thank you guys so much for having me back on the show and uh this was a lot of fun and definitely a great podcast Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Looking forward to, to continuing to see you grow. Um, I have never seen anyone say anything but good words about you and what you've got going on, buddy. So um, happy that we've had the chance to get connected. And anybody who's listening and likes our work needs to go check out Nick's work as well. So, um, Ty, you got any parting shots for the people, brother? No, it was a really fun show. Thanks so much to Nick and Bry. Make sure everybody subscribed to the P2W podcast and on YouTube. Everyone is bookmarking the Dynasty Radar. Is that Elena? And, That's uh, Everly. Oh, I didn't even see. And uh, <laughs> Elena was saying that she really liked Bry Guy's background. So don't yeah. tell her that it's actually a green screen. She was, yeah. I'm not going to ruin <laughs> that for her. <laughs> no, but I, I appreciate you guys coming on and make sure everyone's checking out uh, – Nick and Brian's work for sure. 100%. 100%. Um, and yeah, so you can find our stuff. Go follow the podcast account at TNFF Pod. Um, we got a lot going on. Go make sure you smash subscribe on the YouTube channel. We're on Twitch. Um, and go to the, the website, truenorthffb.com. Um, but yeah, thanks again for, for tuning in. We, we love every, everybody who listens. Go hit us with a review or a rating. We really, really appreciate that. But until next week, Take it easy, everybody. Peace.